0: Welcome to Recovery in the Raw, where it gets real and raw, and where we get raw about real life. Um, this week, we have a a special speaker. It's a, a friend of mine, and we've invited her to tell her story and share her experience. Um, so that's kind of what we're going to focus on today. Um, next week, we'll pick back up on um, kind of where we left off with the early recovery stuff, but for today. This is Diana. Yeah. <laughs> my name is Diana. Um I
1: have I'm an addict. I have a clean day of October thirteenth, two thousand sixteen. Um so I was born April nineteenth, nineteen eighty two, in Ohio, um where I grew up for my younger years. I had my mother, my father, my brother older brother, younger sister. Um, so I was a middle child. Um, and it was like, I think it was normal. I don't know what normal would have been, but I thought it was normal. Um, except for, uh, as long as I can remember, I don't know. I can't, I can't remember when it started or when it ended, but, um, I was molested by my dad my whole life. Um, the older I got, he uh, became a preacher, so we had um, had to go to church, you know, two times Sunday, Wednesday night, all these different things. Um, so I was kind of forced into that, but at the same time having to listen to my dad, you know, tell these things that, you know, not to do, and here you are, like, it was just, it was rough and i felt i felt like people could look at me and know i was always to myself um in the back of the church um he took took me out of uh school when i was going into high school and they decided to homeschool so i had that isolation um so i um i never I never had friends. I never knew who, you know, I really was. I always felt like the outcast people know and people are judging me, and yada yada. So anyways, we moved to Georgia, um probably when I was 15, 16. And when I turned 18, I uh I left and I went, you know, to my first relationship. So, it was my escape. Um so I left, and police had to get involved so I could get some of my things. Um, but I did okay. I did okay for a while with them. His his family is still, to this day, my family. They accepted me and have been with me no matter what through everything. Um, so I ended up having a son with him who was born July fifth, two 2001. So, what, 21? Um... When he was about two, I decided to go off on my own, and we got our own little townhouse um, where life was great. I had a best friend that was my neighbor that had a daughter, and they would just play, and that's when I started with smoking weed. Um, so that was like, and you know, I I had my job for 13 years. I started at 16 as a vet tech, so I had that Um So I, I don't know how, but like I lived comfortably, um, I would work like seven to one and just come home and chill out and smoke all the rest of the day, stay up till three in the morning, go to work again, just life, you know? Um, so I went from relationship to relationship, um, looking for something, you know, um, so I went out with one guy who introduced me to cocaine and that was amazing. I was a different person. I could talk. I you know, I was just out there. I was probably yeah, I was probably crazy. I know it was. Um, but that opened me up to that feeling like I belonged. Um, you know, so through the years it was a relationship to relationship. Um I held down my townhouse for about five years, um, I met a guy who I believe is the father of my daughter and son, so I have a 14-year-old daughter and 13-year-old son, um, he, their dad was married, um, which I think at the time, like, I was, I liked that because I could have my company when I wanted, but I've still got my own, um. So I ended up moving to apartment. I moved my son. I got pregnant with my fourteen year old. Um, so he moved in. My oldest son moved in with his dad, which is right up the street from where I was staying. And then that went on for a couple of years, and then his dad ended up overdosing and passed. Um, so my oldest son went to live with his aunt, and where he finished out his high school and everything like that graduated um which I still have a good relationship with him we have a great relationship he's a great kid um let's see so I had my daughter my son and in between that time this was years like it was it was hell I went from drug to drug whatever it was it was there I was taking it I spent I got um cashed in on a 401k twice um, I had them send me two checks saying I didn't get one and I cashed them twice. And that was like $10,000 and I don't know where it went. Um, I was like super, super skinny. I was just so unhealthy. I was to the point I was having seizures, um, because I was taking some meds from work. Um, which I ended up getting fired from there. Um, but I, I had pretty bad seizures at that time. Um, so when I lost that job, it was kind of, you know, I was just taking the kids wherever, you know, we had no water, we had no electricity. Um, we had possums in the house. Like it was, um, (laughs) it was, it was rough and I feel bad for, I still have not completely forgiven myself for things. Um, so along the way I ended up in a trailer park, which ironically is right behind the rehab that I went to. Um, So I had a associate that at the time I thought was a friend um, who just adored my daughter. It was weird. Um, Like she really thought God uh, had me have her for her. Um, But she would keep her most of the time. So I just had Jaden to worry about. And that poor kid, I left him, I don't even know where. I dropped him off one day. Um, I met some guys that got me started on backpage and we traveled. We went to Louisiana, we went to Tennessee, Alabama, um making great money, but I had dropped Jaden off at the lady in the trailer park that I had babysit him sometimes and never picked him up. Um months went by. There was a time, I would say probably 2 weeks after I left in there, I um I had somebody take me by so I could give her money. Ugh, and I will never forget his face. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. So I continued on and uh I got arrested for something. I think um domestic violence there's a lot of domestic violence of course um I let me think where was I at um I ended up going to you know hotel to hotel um I finally got arrested for the last time and that was No, it wasn't the last time. It was the second last time, but it was my eye-opener. I didn't even know where my son was. Nobody knew. They got evicted. They were living in the woods with a pillowcase for a couple days. Um, But D-Facts found them somehow. Um, So I lost my kids probably, I think, for the third time. Three times? Two times. Two or three. I don't know. Um, but I got arrested and I got my first felony, which I pleaded first offenders. Um, and I just had nowhere to go. Like I had nobody. Um, so it was like, I was done. I was living in my car, my car. I haven't been paying on that upon the title that, you know, um, By that time, my brother um, somehow found out about everything, which um, I kept in contact with him a little bit through social media, but nothing, you know, nothing. Um, As far as my my dad has passed, I never talked to him again. I've never seen my mom or my sister again. Um, They have seen my kids, because my brother did get custody of them. Um, And that's when I went into mother's making a change um because i had nothing like i had i had nothing i left jail for the last time and i violated on something i think i was fighting the police i violated it and that was the last time i went to jail and within a week my brother got custody from that lady um because she was abusing my son she ended up getting both of them but she was abusing my son she lied to the court saying she was a relative that she married my father and so my brother got a lawyer of course and fought that and got the kids and they went to new jersey and i went to mothers making a change with nothing absolutely nothing um just the thought that it was going to be, like, girl interrupted. It's going to, you know, we're all going to be in our pajamas. We're going to line up for meds. And, you know, um, uh, which, and then I saw I saw somebody come out all in white. And I was like, oh, my God, it's true. It's true. <laughs> but um, that, at the time, I didn't know, but was the best thing that ever happened to me. I um, I found out... Uh probably two weeks in, um, my brother the last conversation I had was that um I'm never gonna see them again because they're telling therapists things and all this stuff. So I went through treatment without um contact with my kids. Um and I contemplated when I found that out, you know, so what's the point? Why am I here? but i don't know something something made me staying the longer i stayed and got reconnected with my higher power i um i got to the point where i was accepting it i was like okay i'm gonna finish this i may not get my kids but they'll always know me and i can be there maybe you know here and there um but my clinician at the time had me file a petition um So I did that, and I got custody of my daughter back first when I was finished with treatment. I completed the six months inpatient, and I was doing the six months after um, I got residential. So I petitioned, got my daughter back um, because they wanted to do one at a time. Um, And then I would say two years later, within two years, I got my son back. Um, so I finished the program. I have stayed connected with the program. Like I had no idea what recovery was. I didn't even I didn't know, but I walked into the Freedom Club for the first meeting. I was like, Oh my god, I feel like I'm in the dope house. Like that's what it looked like. (laughs) And everybody was just crazy and I was just sitting back in the corner (laughs) like it was but but, um now that's my family. Like 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 I love that. And I'm gonna bring everybody I know there. Yeah, you know? Um but yeah treatment it was my first time in treatment ever I, cuz i like i said i didn't know what it was but um i completed it and i i'm not 100% you know i did i didn't work on me like i could have i should have uh taken more advantage of it um my clinician said she broke a few bricks off the wall <laughs> um but yeah so i got a job when i was in the last phase of residential Um, At an animal hospital star back there. Um, And then ended up finishing the program. I got an apartment. Um, I met somebody in in the rooms. um, And we ended up... I mean, I don't suggest people do this, but this (laughs) is what I did. So, we ended up getting an apartment together. um, And honestly, things that have happened... Like, I don't know... If he wasn't there, if I wouldn't have you know done drank or something i don't, I don't know maybe I wouldn't have maybe i that like I say now i don't if somebody puts it in front of me, I can't say I'm not gonna do it because like I think it was somebody said I'm an addict, so I think it was you.
0: I like to do drugs, that's my problem yeah right yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, um but so I'm coming up on six years and I have a life I could have never imagined. I would never imagine I'd be here. I, I was even didn't even want kids and here I am. I had another one. I got four. Um but people say, you know, I want my life back. And I heard somebody say I I don't want that life. I want a life mm-hmm. that's that's not yeah. that. Yeah. Um and I built that like the connection with meetings and and meeting people and staying involved with my um after or my uh rehab with alumni uh like that's my family now like it really is and I still I still have trouble with isolation and and all that um my my three-year-old was diagnosed with level two nonverbal autism which at first I was like what did I do wrong you know, this is the one child I didn't do anything, you know, when I was <laughs> pregnant. Um, but now it's I, it's a blessing. Like, that kid has taught me so much, like, so much. Like, I, I, that kid, that kid is my reason now. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's good shit diane
0: thank you man for yeah. being vulnerable and, yeah. coming and sharing your story you know because i know it's never
2: easy it's powerful dude mm-hmm. so much about that is like uh i feel like we don't talk about it, you know and that's what and that's what i really like about this podcast is we talk about things and we get real and raw and like mm-hmm. this whole thing about like that's what addiction was but like the shift in perspective just like you and I don't really know each other that well. We've been connected in different ways throughout the last couple of years, but I never really knew the, the inner workings of your story. And like, your that was so, that was really powerful, man. Like how vulnerable you were with that and seeing the perspective shift just in that few minutes of you talking about where you went from to where you're at now. That's you, you. And that's what I love about this program. And that's what I love about recovery in general is like, um, everybody's story is different, mm-hmm. but there's so many things about it that are so similar and that's right. what connects us. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: All <sighs> right. And I think that's the powerful stuff about sharing our stories and our experience. Um, whether it's through addiction or early recovery or just life in general, is that if somebody listening, right, is going to hear something you said and it's going to give them the power to talk about something they've never talked about. Mm-hmm. Right. The one thing that they've been keeping inside that they swore they would never tell anybody because so much shame or guilt or whatever is tied up in it they can say now because they're not the only one yeah yeah it's interesting because I had a conversation
1: today like my significant other doesn't know anything you know I've Mm -hmm. just never talked about it and
0: well I think that's in that people can see the trauma reactions and the coping mechanisms that we have to develop. Like if you listen to your story, right, it's not going to be easy for you to let people in. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, just like with me, dude, I still, we've been together seven years and we've had to work really hard at things because of my trauma reactions and my coping mechanisms. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, and I think that's something that people don't think about. Um, whether it's recovery from substance use or drinking or dealing and managing with mental health or, Recovering and living a life after trauma, like, there is residue, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we deal with, Mm it's not like we just, that chapter's done and, like, we fucking move on and everything's fantastic and we frolic in life. Like, there's a lot of baggage that we have to work through, you know? And that's why I think people, people in general, dude, anybody that is growing and bettering their life and working through something is a fucking superhero because the stuff that comes along with that is things that some people will never understand.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the, especially the trauma thing, like, when I first got into recovery, like, I heard all these people talking about different things, like, you'll have all this stuff, and it'll be great, you know, like, people were talking about getting a job and a house and their car and, like, having a relationship and their kids and, like, all this stuff, like, that all is great and stuff, but, like, the things I feel like I didn't hear about Mm -hmm. were, like, having to deal with the trauma of the reasons why we were using, and, like, that is such a heavy thing, but at the same time... What a fulfilling experience to like walk through that in a, a mindset of sobriety where mm-hmm. you can actually deal with it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's, it's hard. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you and say this. You know, this beautiful thing where you're, you know, life's life's amazing every day mm-hmm. while you're dealing with your triggers and <laughs> trauma. You know, like. But I, I don't know. It's I. It's a whole lot different to be able. Like my husband and I were talking today about uh like differences with like triggers and recognizing triggers and things like that like it, it we were watching a tv show and something came on that was a trigger for me from previous uh like sexual assaults and stuff and so I just skipped on through it but like had that have been five years ago that would have sent me into like a mental spiral for weeks right like yeah. just, you may not yeah. have even known why. right and like I mean that I mean just like completely hysterical whereas I was like this is getting a little questionable let me just move through this and It can be a conversation and not a confrontation and not me going out and ruining my life and doing all this stuff. I mean, I don't know. There's so many different things that, especially with trauma, that I'm learning to deal with, Mm -hmm. at least. That I hadn't even really, until I'd say probably the last year, hadn't even looked at in the mirror.
0: I like the way you said that, a conversation and not confrontation. Because we're going to have those initial reactions. Mm -hmm. We just have to take the time to practice that pause and be like, or even if we do react because right. I did it the other day dude I was being an asshole and like I don't even know it was a react an emotional reaction to something that we were talking about and I like I was like fuck it dude I'm done like don't talk to me I walked out of the garage save the door and that just took a minute and I had to come back and say I'm sorry because yeah. you know it wasn't anything about him it was a reaction I was having within myself um mm. and I don't always get it right but I do know when those things come up that like I can come back and say I'm sorry and this is where I was at because it's gonna happen I think to anybody. Yeah. Like whether you're in recovery or not, it's just human nature.
2: Yeah. You were talking about uh some some of the stuff like walking through the autism stuff, which is a really hard thing. I have a nephew, um, who's severe nonverbal as well. And um it actually made me go get tested, because I was like, oh, well, this is kind of weird, because I feel like I'm the only one that understands him, and my therapist was like, have you ever thought about getting tested, and I was like, no, I don't have autism, and she was like, but you probably do, though, and so now it's like, that has been a, you were talking about in different ways with him, it's taught you so much, and I feel like finding out these things, I want to speak for myself, finding out things about myself has pushed me so much further in my ability to, like, grow and heal and change that about things that I would have never done before yeah you know yeah
1: yeah it's it's definitely a learning experience um and I I tend to let it being a mother pull me away from my connections so I have to really focus on that to stay connected but um I don't know. It's just so weird because if you would have asked me, I would never see myself where I'm at. You know, working on back pain. Like, I shouldn't even be alive. there's situations like I somehow ended up in a bush by a road and then woke up in somebody's house for a who knows how long. I don't know what I took. Like, it was just, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. But God had something bigger for me. And I believe it was, you know, for Kyrie and, and my other kids. Um, But I do have to, you know, do talk to my other kids, you know, because they've been through a lot. It wasn't me uh, just getting into recovery. My kids came too, so I have to focus on that. But, um, yeah, I don't know how I got there, but there we are.
0: (laughs) And I think that's the important piece about with the kids is having those conversations and... You know, a lot of people may not agree with the way I do things with Elena, and That's okay because it's not their fucking business. That's it. But I that's it. am very open and honest with her about things too. Yeah. to a degree. Like, she knows. Like, she's not allowed to hear. When I go and tell my story, she's not allowed there yet because there are things that she just doesn't need to know about it right, right. now. Um, but she knows about a lot because the biggest thing for me, because I went through my own stuff right like unintentionally I felt like my dad abandoned me when they got divorced and he left and you know I went through my own stuff with my mom um, and there was this my sense of worthlessness right and need for value and validation all that came from those things that I experienced with in early childhood you know so I 100% believed that Elena needed to know like it's not your fault Mm -hmm. it had nothing to do with you. I am sick. This is the way it works. This is what happened. You know, I did not want her to carry that. Um, and I also want her to know the reality of what she's risking if she decides to, you know, take that route. You know, I think it's important. And I think those are conversations that people don't have enough, um, with their kids. Like, you know, why, I don't know. I'm, I'm just open about it and I feel like they deserve to know, um, And unfortunately, and I have this weird like guilt, right? Because John will never see me high, right? John will never experience that stuff. So then I feel bad because Elena has had to, um, but I can't, I can't. Yeah, there's um, the not too long ago, my
1: daughter was like, "How come the picture albums are mostly Kyrie?" Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, "Damn!" Like at first I got mad. I was like, "Fine, I won't take any more pictures." But in reality, I wasn't there for their childhood i have nothing when they have things at school where they gotta have baby pictures, i have nothing
0: i think that right there is an example though of that emotional and trauma reaction we were just mm-hmm. talking about when you got angry at her yeah. because that's a that's a ding right that's a ding to your your heart and your you know all of your stuff so that's an that emotional reaction that comes up but i get it 100 percent because we were just looking at i'm a i'm a sentimental hoarder like i have like little things that like means so much to me, which is funny, because when when we lost my brother, we were going through his safe, and, um, it's not money, it's not, it's like letters I wrote him, and stuff my daughter made him, and stuff from his wedding, and, like, his kids stuff, and, like, you know, the things that really mean something, Mm -hmm. so I was like, all right, I don't feel like such a (laughs) psycho, but I have these two giant coats, and John, um, has a shadow box on my dresser, and Elena's like, you know, why does he have one and I don't? I'm like, well, Elena, unfortunately, you know, you did have one, I lost it you know i lost this right here this box of stuff that's left that's what i have of yours and i hate it but that's it but i know that like today i get to be present i get to make those living amends and you know she doesn't have to experience that stuff again um but i do have carry this like little bit of guilt that i have to work through periodically to yeah
2: that's tough man yeah But I think, like, you, you kind of hit that nail right on the head with the the honesty piece of it. And you were like, it doesn't really matter what other people fucking think. And I'm going to be honest with you, I really do agree with that. Because everybody's different, and that includes kids, too. Mm-hmm. And what works for one doesn't work for the rest. And I think that if, you know, we've we've gone through, especially being in the program, like, the real shit of looking ourselves in the mirror, mm-hmm. and, like, really looking, like, at all the things that we've done, It also makes it easier in ways to deal with our kids Mm -hmm. because, you know, I, my daughter's, she's two, so I'm not to that place yet. Like she's not having these advanced conversations, but like, you know, I, I have nieces and nephews and like, for me, um, I very distinctly remember when my best friend told me, you can't come see the kids anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, I don't want you to come here anymore. And it was, like, three and a half years. And, like, I missed every birthday. I missed all their things. And, like, I was a very involved aunt because she doesn't have anybody else. Her parents are dead. Um, his, her husband's family's not really involved. So I was, like, the only other family member that they had... Mm-hmm. And that's still heavy for me because Jace says often to me, like, well, not often anymore, but because I've explained it. But when I first started coming back around, he didn't even know my name. Right. And, like, for me, it was like, how could you not know who I am? I've been here this whole time. But, like, I disappeared for what was half of his life at the time. So, of course, he didn't remember me. You know? I don't know. It's, um and i owe him that honesty. Mm-hmm. I do owe him that. You know, this is what happened and this is what i did to fix it and i hope over time that we can rebuild a relationship and i think the hardest thing for me was like giving it time. Right. Cuz yeah. i wanted yeah. it all right then. You right. know, like yep. let's go play, let's right. you know and he's like, yeah, i don't really know you though. Like
0: right. I think I we mean, have a habit of doing that in general. Oh like, yeah, with everything. Cuz i remember when i first got a treatment and my family would still you know react the same way or something and i'm like what the fuck do you mean like don't you see i'm better i've been right. clean for the six months right like, <laughs> the fuck yeah. compared to you know the 10 years that i've been using right. and creating chaos you know if so it does like you said it takes that time for because it's not about words it's about actions and that That's takes it. time so,
1: yeah. there was uh somebody had recently said um who's who's early in recovery had said um How can you not just look at your kids and not stay clean? And that made me think. I'm like, well, let's not forget where we came from. It's not that I didn't love my kids. I was sick. um, And it just wasn't enough. Well, you have to be ready. You have to get to that point where enough is enough. Um, But, like, I don't know. I do have a lot to work on. But for now, like, I find my peace. um, And... Yeah, I just I just had to find my peace.
0: That's
1: what's important, man. Right.
0: Yeah, what would you say so like what were some of the biggest challenges um we'll call them opportunities that you had <laughs> in early recovery?
1: Um
0: I was scared to death
1: to have my kids back. Um, mm-hmm. cuz I didn't I didn't know how to do things like sober and, and like, even, like, sex. Like, right. I don't know what that feels like, Right, you know? we're but just talking yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I just don't, um, let's see. I guess it was just the fear of getting back out there, leaving my safety, um, circle, mm-hmm. bubble, whatever. Um, but I did it, and I did it in the area where I got fucked up at. Um, so I walked past the bar, I, everything every day. Um, but, but it got easier. And One thing in taught me is routine. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know, get up, go to work, come home, go to a meeting. Like, so I did that and I did that consistently. Um, and I just, you know, stuck to it. I had it set in my head. There was no going back. Like there's no going back. I will never have my kids back. Um, so just having that in my mindset kept me going, just, staying busy, you know, doing, doing what I did. Um, uh, and eventually, you know, there was times where, you know, I kind of went less on a job, you know, because I didn't think I was worth it because I'm an addict. Like I feel like they know and, and if they do background check, you know, um, but so I sold myself short, but, but, it gets easier, and now I can make my demands, and I have my boundaries with work um I make it you know it with home, but um setting my boundaries and sticking to my boundaries, and just not you know sticking with the winners, like not i don't put myself in situations where uh there may be drugs and I might get tempted like I just don't if I go try to help somebody and you know whatever I always take somebody with me um but it's just uh staying connected this is the key mm-hmm. staying connected
2: what's something you wish you would have known when you got into early recovery that you know now
1: hmm. oh my gosh I don't know if I see <laughs> uh I don't know if that's a hard one you're welcome
2: <laughs>
0: um
2: i wish i would have known know. or like a piece of advice you could have given yourself even to
1: i mean honestly to believe in myself like have faith in myself like i i'm a different person i'm not just that person but i won't forget that person that got me to where i'm at um really that's
2: advice that's a good one though yeah if you if you forget where you came from Mm -hmm. it makes it easier
1: to go back yeah Yeah. it's just a life like no other today
0: i think a big thing for me would be kind of like one of my reasons for doing this podcast is like i think i had this unrealistic expectation put in my head in early recovery like the very beginning that everything was just going to be magically fixed And Mm -hmm. I was going to be grateful and fucking fantastic all the time. And I was about to be the best parent ever and all of these things. Um, So when life showed up and I had days where I went back on some things or I was ungrateful or Mm -hmm. I was angry or it wasn't easy. I was like, what is wrong with me? What am I doing wrong that my life isn't? Because you have those people in meetings, right, that you're just drawn to because their aura Mm -hmm. And their talk, and they're just like, everything's fucking fantastic. And, like, but that's not, and I'm not saying that things aren't good when you get clean, but that's not the reality every single day.
1: Right. Yeah, I rode that pink pink cloud for a minute. Good minute. Good year.
0: Yeah. 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 (laughs) And then
1: it just disappeared.
0: Right. And I think that's the thing is, like, knowing that it's okay to have days like that and to be frustrated or act on character defects or maybe, you know, Whatever, be ungrateful, but the thing about it is, like, not staying there and Mm, continuing to, you know, move forward and be aware of it because we're not perfect. Um, Things are going to continue to come up and happen, and, like, I think it's phases of life. Like, it's not always going to be, it's just, like, seasons, you know? Like, sometimes, every year is guaranteed that we have fall and winter, and everything is, like, fucking bare and, like, whatever. So, I think we go through the same thing, and those are periods of our life where we get to decide what we want to shed And what we want to grow in the future. That's good. I like that. Yeah. And I I get stuck in those where I'm like, I would be like, oh my God, this is, you know, I feel so terrible. This is never going to end. This is just going to be my life now. What is wrong with me? How do I get back on track? And I think the thing is like just letting it fucking happen. That's it. Like it's the season of life I'm in. And, you know, I've been through some really hard things since I've been clean and I'm going through one right now. So of course I don't feel like myself, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't feel fantastic and chipper and you know grateful and like the best partner and you know it's just a season of my life that i'm in and i think it's preparing me for whatever is coming next something else
2: yeah that's a that's a good good point uh you were talking about seasons and stuff and it's like i agree with you i think um i think i've walked through more difficult shit since having been sober oh yes (laughs) um than i can really recall in my addiction, like, there was things in addiction and, of course, like, trauma and, and, like, heavy shit like that, but, like...
0: But it wasn't things where you risk vulnerability and growth and...
2: Right, know. like, I mean, like, and this is, like, it seems to be... I feel like the universe, for me, um there's specific things in my life. Like, you talked a week or two ago about patterns and things, and I feel like, for me, um I... Some of my biggest growing I've done in sobriety is learning old patterns mm-hmm. and how to work through those patterns in sobriety. Like for me, my one of my biggest things is just like giving up and moving on and pretending like the shit doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And like having perseverance to deal with things like um like navigating co parenting and um navigating like things that my finances Mm -hmm. and like shit from the past that I didn't expect to be an issue when I got into beautiful, wonderful recovery. Like, you know, this should all be a walk in the park because I'm clean now. Like, you know, like this instant gratification that I'm searching for and wanting and, um, like learning that if I, if I continue to give up, and I don't continue to pursue these things. I'm going to have to repeat these patterns over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Until I learn and grow from them. Right. That's been a big thing for me.
0: It's not always fun to look at. And I think you bring up a good point when you're talking about the co-parenting. Um, it took me a long time. Really up until. I'd say the past. Two, almost three years really. <clears throat> so for the first four. Five years of our relationship. Um, I. I think I realized it, but I didn't want to acknowledge it. Um, because for so long it was me and Alina. Like I mm-hmm. always, it was me and her against the world, you know? So then I, we invited, you know, Jeff in and we're becoming a family, but I'm still putting the separation in. Yes. Of like being the dominant parent because that's my daughter. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you can claim her, you call her your daughter, but like really she's mine. And yeah, you, you, you push don't that, fucking you want the connect, say, right. right. You want
2: the connection, but also back the fuck up. Right. And yeah. it <laughs> was so
0: hard for me to navigate, dude. And I found myself doing things. I'm going to be totally honest here. Like, undermining him in front of her mm-hmm. especially the first two years mm-hmm. and that's not fair to him mm-hmm. you know and it's not fair to her because she's trying to build stability with us as a family and i'm sure it's confusing her and you know i would she would do the play in parents and you know i'd feed into it because what i say goes you know i still struggle with that but that's not mm-hmm. fucking fair and that's just my shit from before you know my my um trauma reactions around the family thing i told y'all before like when he called it family in the beginning it freaked me out so i was like uh just call it a unit like (laughs) (laughs) we're not a family and just letting him take that because he's been for the past seven years has been the man in her life been the dad that she had Mm -hmm. you know and but i i had to like look at myself and acknowledge like i'm putting that separation and that was a hard pill to swallow of like fucking... It's me. I'm still doing it. Um, And, you know, I still have times, sometimes, where it's hard for me to let him parent. But I have to step back and do it. Because we don't... We're not the same person, you know? We don't parent the same on a lot of things. um, But I have this initial, like... This mama bear comes out where I just want to be like... I still, You know? And I even did that when my brother was living here. It was bad. Um, You know? I had a really protective role with him too and like (laughs) this is about to be fucked up it's about to sound fucked up but when he would like get mad um about Derek or something he was doing and I would never say this or act on it but my initial thing that came out wanted to be like fuck you you move out (laughs) right (laughs) and that you know but I knew that so I was addressing it in therapy of like you know my unhealthy patterns that are still showing up Mm -hmm. every single day um but I just I try not to act on them, and I'm aware of them, and I continuously work on it. But it's yeah. not easy stuff to look at. Yeah. I think, yeah, the uh,
1: the combining of families, and I don't know if it's because my kids are older, but, like, I struggle a lot with my son, um, with Brian and him. Like, I just don't feel the connection
0: mm-hmm. is
1: there, and it's, it's rough sometimes, like... Um, it's really bad. And then I tend to give in a lot because then I feel like I caused all this for him, you know. He doesn't he doesn't know what it is to live with, you know, mm-hmm. have a steady family that you come home to. This is the longest my kids have been in one school.
0: Right.
1: One school. And it was pointed out to me by the school therapist not too long ago. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: but it's it's definitely hard and I struggle with that as well. Um And it's, it's hard to sit back and, I don't know, just in my mind, it's just, yeah, I have to, but I will say the one thing that helps me the most is making sure I take care of my mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, That's important. I have to take it, whether it be therapy or medication, whatever it is, like, I have to, because if not, I can tear a home apart.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think, uh, yeah. But guilty parenting is rough, and having someone come into your life and just be there now is, is, is all an adjustment. But I wouldn't trade it for anything.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the
1: letting somebody in
2: is hard. Yeah. That's really hard. I think that's, I, I forget that a lot of times because, like, relatable to what both of you guys are saying. Like, I was so used to doing it by myself. Mm-hmm. And then now I have somebody that's worth a shit to do it with. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest thing for me. And that was part of my motivation was, like, the other absent parent, I didn't want them to be a part. I was willing to do anything to go to any lengths to not have them be a part because it was such a bad and dangerous environment. And, like, now, you know, it's not even necessarily that I don't want him to do those things. I think it's great that she has uh, a role model and a father figure in her life. But I think that sometimes it's like uh, I remember the first time that he understood something she said and I didn't understand (laughs) what she said and it hurt my feelings really bad. Like I couldn't understand. I was like what did you say? What did You you know because she's in this like this toddler blah 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 you know like you can't understand anything. (laughs) She sounds like a wild thornberry 90% of the time. You know she's running around crazy. And I'm like I don't know what you're saying. Can you say it again? And Robert's like yeah she said she wanted mac and cheese. And I'm like that's not what she said. <laughs> like, that's not what she said. And she's like, "Yeah, Daddy, yeah." And I'm like, "You know what? Whatever. I. Don't, yeah. You just raise her. Then, like, you know so yeah. much about her. Like, you know all my feelings about it. You know. Yeah. But like, that's that's that control piece that you were talking about. Like, if I don't learn to let go of that, and let her experience things that she, that I had not mentally prepared that she was going to experience. <laughs> You know, like, I never thought that there was, I had already, before my husband and I even started dating, I had started telling my best friend, like, I'm not interested in dating, I don't think I'll ever find anybody, and I'm cool with that, like, I wanted to just mm-hmm. be us, too, we're cool, mm-hmm. I'm good with that, like, and then it just happened, but like, sometimes I still think to myself, like, things will be going well, and I'm like, why are things going so well? Right. Clearly something is wrong. Right. This can't be normal. Yeah. And I, I, that's something I really struggle with is not wanting to self-sabotage, um, for absolutely no reason. Right.
0: I think it's uncomfortable too, you know, for those of us who have either grew up in chaos or created, you know, our own chaos through our own stuff. Like, serenity, structure, peace, normalcy can feel dangerous or like something's wrong. Um, Right. You know, it just doesn't. Because it's, it's not something right. we're
2: used to. Right. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yep. I get that 100%. Well, well thank you for yeah, coming no, on. For thank you for having me. That and, was really um,
2: good, man. I'm yeah. sure you'll I be able to it. talk about I more topics.
0: It. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, we still don't have a cute little sign out. God, we forget this every I week. I know until it's time to say goodbye, and then it's like, "Fuck I'm gonna off, set
2: a reminder right? on my phone for tomorrow morning. Yeah,
0: let's do And that.
2: then ignore it.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I have it go off every day, all day, and they go off so much that I don't even First fucking look the at First of the year, it, I, I set an out. alarm to pray every night, and I have not one. Dude, it goes off every <laughs> single time, but I'm like, sometimes it hangs yeah, out I on there. I <laughs> too much going on right now. Yeah. All right, funny. well, we'll see. See y'all. Talk to y'all next week. Sounds good. Bye.